Rise of Skywalker's final trailer broke the internet. Joker is now the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time, don't tell Deadpool, and John Bernthal could be playing the Punisher in the MCU. Plus, I review Ryan Johnson's new film, Knives Out. All of this and more on today's episode of Small Screen Stories. Hello and welcome back to Small Screen Stories. On this weekly podcast, I'll be going through the biggest and most entertaining stories from the world of entertainment and pop culture. So let's start off with what I believe to be the most exciting story of the week, which is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker's final trailer. Well, they say it's the final trailer. There will probably be others, but this is the final official trailer. So the actual trailer arrived... It arrived on Tuesday in the UK, Monday in uh, America, and it was uh, first aired in the US on ESPN during Monday Night Football. So why is this a big deal? Well, <laughs> it's Star Wars, first of all, and it's also the final film in this new trilogy. And it's seeing Ryan, um, sorry, not Ryan Johnson, it's seeing J.J. Abrams coming back to the franchise after having directed Star Wars uh, The Force Awakens. There's so much, so much in this trailer. There was, <laughs> if you look at, if you had a look at small screen on the day, we, well, I wrote a lot of articles about this ridiculous, ridiculous trailer. There was a lot in there. They managed to keep elements, most elements of the plot out of it, but there was still quite a lot that we could latch onto. One of those things was C-3PO. C-3PO's been in Star Wars since the very beginning. It's played by Anthony Daniels, and in the trailer he says the lines, sorry, he says the line, I'm just looking at my friends, I'm taking one last look at my friends. It was the most impactful moment of the trailer. And why is that? Well, it's because C-3PO's been here since the very beginning, and it looks like he's probably going to die. <laughs> I mean, can a droid die? Yeah, can, I think. He's probably going to die in this final film, or he's going to sacrifice himself. Or we've already seen in the previous trailer that he is going to have some red eyes in this movie. So we could be seeing kind of a battle droid version of C-3PO. C-3PO might go a bit nuts in this movie. Who knows? There's so little plot detail about, about the rise of Skywalker. We really don't know what's actually going to happen in this final film. But there was um, the little, it's a new little uh, creature that was on the back of C-3PO's head, was doing something with C-3PO. We don't know what, but I'm kind of guessing that he's, there's something involving memories and uh, C-3PO will have to access the memories that were wiped at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith because, yeah, of course C-3PO would have known in the very in Star Wars: A New Hope, who Luke Skywalker was, and who Anakin Skywalker was, and who Darth Vader really was. So of course they had to wipe his memory at the end, just so that it all made sense. There was also uh, there were also a few scenes with Kylo Ren and Rey, and it really looked like they're about to team up in this film. Or I mean, I wrote an article on the site, which is that uh, explaining why I thought I think Kylo Ren and Rey are going to team up against Palpatine in this movie. I think that Kylo Ray, uh, Kylo Ray, Kylo Ren, sorry, is going to turn back to the light side. So it's going to be a redemptive story, a bit like Darth Vader's story arc in, or Anakin Skywalker's story arc in the whole of Star Wars. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to happen. 
but there are so many instances in the trailer which kind of point to this. There's the moment where you see Kylo Ren and Rey destroying some sort of statue, which has actually now been confirmed to be the Darth Vader shrine. It's another story that's on the site right now. So what does that mean? Was that... A lot of, I've heard some people saying that that's possibly some sort of uh, vision or it's not, it doesn't actually take place because behind Rey and Kylo you can also see Chewie's belt which we also know thanks to the toys that um, C-3PO is going to wear in this film. There's a lot of stuff going on in this trailer but then there was also a, another load of leaks that came out but these were actual leaks in which we saw Palpatine shooting some lightning force beams out of his fingers which he seems to like to do in these movies and he's sitting in his throne and Rey's in front of him. Another one of these images, so-called leaked images from uh, The Rise of Skywalker is, is Rey and Kylo Ren both uh, looking at, I'm assuming, Palpatine and they've both got blue lightsabers. So that just, again, it kind of confirms my theory that Kylo is going to turn to the light side and that Kylo and Rey are going to try and defeat Palpatine together. And then there's so much Star Wars stuff this week. Another little, uh, another little bit of news is that we've got the running time, the runtime of this film, and it's said to be two hours and thirty-five minutes, which is going, it means it's going to be the longest Star Wars film ever, uh, and so it's, it's a very long running time. Uh, anything over two hours, I, also, I often think is a bit excessive. But I kind of understand why they've done this because if there's a film that warrants being over two hours and a half long it's the final film of this new star wars trilogy there's obviously a lot going on in this film already the the trailers show so little and we, we're just guessing at what's going to happen but i'm pretty sure that um jj and uh, and co have come up with something really cool and uh it's why it's two two hours and a half long you know there's a lot that's going to happen in this film final bit of star wars news uh ryan johnson says that his trilogy is still going ahead so this is very much uh, a case of will he, won't he. Every week it's something different. Last week uh, he um, he said that he wasn't sure what was going to happen. He's he's still technically on board, but he doesn't know if it's going to go ahead. He then did a uh, he then did an interview with Entertainment Tonight uh, in which he was promoting his new film Knives Out, which I'll be talking about in a bit uh, talking about a bit later, and. Uh, they asked him to explain his comments and he uh, revealed that he'd actually misspoken. He said, did I? Did I say if? Oh God. And then he said, uh, I have no update at all, but I'm still working with Lucasfilm on it. And they're figuring out what they're going to do with what and everything. So it sounds like he's still kind of involved and he's still writing stuff. Uh, and as far as he's concerned, it's still happening. But he's not really sure at the, at the moment as, because... He's got, personally, well, I think it's going to happen. I really hope it's going to happen because Ryan Johnson is a fantastic director. I'll explain why again with Knives Out, but I, I don't think he's made a bad film. If you like, <laughs> you might like or dislike The Last Jedi, I still think from a filmmaking standpoint, it's a terrific film. With Knives Out, he proves that again. I'll talk about that more in a bit. But I'm far more interested in seeing his trilogy than the Benioff and Weiss trilogy, 
which is also said to be in development. Because I honestly think those two guys are only... I mean, what they showed with Game of Thrones is that they're good when they have material to lean on. When it's them writing their own stuff, it becomes a bit of a mess. Which is why I think Ryan Johnson is a far better writer and also, I would say, a far better director than those two. And I really think, I hope, that Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy realise that and that they'll keep him on. Anyway, finally moving away from Star Wars and uh, some Batman stuff. So Robert Pattinson, he seems to like talking about Batman and uh, he's recently said that he's admitted that his Batsuit is going to be really, really cool. What does that mean? We don't know. Apparently he's seen, he was talking to Yahoo and he's seen an early version of the suit. It wasn't the final version, but he says he likes what he's seen so far. He said, Matt has got a really awesome idea about it. I think it's going to be very, very cool. So we've had a, many different bat suits over the years. We've had the, you know, the Adam West Batman suit. We had the Michael Keaton Batman suit. We've had the Christian Bale Batman suit, and recently we had the um, the Ben Affleck Batman suit. They're all very different, but they all kind of take inspiration from one another. Well, we also we had the uh, I forgot some, a couple there. We had the George, the uh, Val Kilmer ones and uh, George Clooney ones, which were pretty interesting. Just say the word bat nipples or the uh, the term bat nipples anyway. And um, I'm really hoping that I, I I think they might go with a kind of more Arkham vibe like the Arkham Asylum games because the bat suits in those in those games are really quite they were very first of all they were cool secondly they were more armored and it felt more like that's the kind of thing Batman would wear but then also there's the fact that this this film is supposedly set in the 80s so would Batman have something that's so technologically advanced at that time who knows maybe they just go right back to Michael Keaton uh, Michael Keaton's first bat suit in the Batman in uh, 1989's Batman, I think is really good, and um, it's kind of like it's it's iconic. So why not go back to that? Just black and yellow, it looks pretty good. Anyway, Robert Pattinson also spoke a bit about his voice, his Batman voice, and this came during a this he was being interviewed by Access, and this was an interview about The Lighthouse, which is Robert Pattinson's next film, which is said to be completely crazy apparently. And he was asked at the end of the interview about the voice, whether he's managed to come up with a voice yet, and he's revealed that actually he has. And uh, he said that his co-star in The Lighthouse, Willem Dafoe, is uh, a big inspiration. He said Willem's voice, is, Willem, Willem's voice in this is kind of inspiring, for it to be honest. It's kind of similar, the voice I'm going to do to his. I think Batman has a kind of piratey voice. I think that, that will really suit it. Personally, I don't think Batman has a piratey voice. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that. But, uh, I mean, Willem Dafoe has a really freaky voice. Uh, he's a pretty scary dude. I think a Batman with his voice would actually work quite well. Uh, I actually, personally, I would love thinking about it. I'd love to see Willem Dafoe play the Joker. But, you know, we've got Whacking Phoenix now. And apparently, a bit more about this later, but apparently Jared Leto's Joker's not dead. Hmm. Anyway. More on that in a bit. Moving over to the other side, other parts of the DCU, we've learned that uh, Black Adam will start shooting in 2020, according to Dwayne Johnson. So this was after he uh, replied to a tweet asking about when the film's actually going to start shooting, and he revealed that it's going to start shooting in 2020, which is good because this Black Adam film has been um, in production for ages, 
and uh, and it's about time they actually start shooting it. Uh, in other news, according to uh, we got this covered, so take that with a bit of pinch of salt. Whether this is actually going to happen or not, Warner Brothers are looking to bring Will Smith back as Deadshot in the DCU. People went nuts when I posted this um, on Small Screen's Facebook page. People really love Will Smith's version of Deadshot, and I and I completely understand. He's he's really good as the character. You could say what you want about Suicide Squad as a film. I'd say the two best things in that movie are Will Smith as Deadshot and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. So, bringing him back, we know that he's not been recast. because People did think that Idris Elba might be playing Deadshot in um, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, but apparently he's not. So, bring him back in a, in a later movie. There's no reason why, why you can't do that, and people love Will Smith. And he's, he did make the role his own in the movie. And then there's other uh, news from We Got This Covered, which is that... Warner Brothers are looking uh, at Bradley Cooper for Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps movie. When I heard this, um, I was a bit, I don't know, I was a bit sceptical because personally I don't really see Bradley Cooper as Hal Jordan. Uh, apparently I'd also heard that Tom Cruise had been circling the the role. I personally think Tom Cruise would, would be perfect. Uh, you know, he's, he's got all that experience in the Top Gun in Top Gun. And Hal Jordan is kind of a bit like his character in Top Gun. He's a bit like Maverick. I, I do. I mean, Bradley Cooper's cool and everything. But I always wanted Nathan Fillion to play the role, but I know that probably will never happen. But you know, um, if it happens, so be it. It's not bad casting. Bradley Cooper's a very good actor. Uh, watch him in uh, A Star Is Born, and you understand what I mean. He's really good in that film. Uh, and then we're going to go on to some Joker stuff now. So we were talking about that before. Joker is now the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. It surpassed Deadpool and Deadpool 2 in the process. So Ryan Reynolds isn't very happy about this, of course. But uh, yeah, Todd Phillips' film is now officially the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. And that's, I mean, that is pretty incredible considering it was made on a basically a shoestring budget. It was, Warner Brothers didn't want this film to be made. So they reportedly, I mean... Estimates on how much this film cost vary between fifty million to seventy million dollars, but I'm pretty sure it's in the fifty million mark. If you're going to add, uh, I mean, the amount of money they they spent on advertising and promotion after, it's probably more. But it's now made as of today. It's made seven hundred eighty-eight point one million worldwide, which surpasses Deadpool's total of 782 million and Deadpool 2's total of 785 million. I I don't look at Deadpool 2's I don't think that I personally I don't think that's I mean it is technically the highest grossing R-rated film of all time but it was released twice. And it was released first as Deadpool 2 which was the R-rated version and then in the at Christmas time it was re-released as Once Upon a Deadpool. And that was that was a kind of a PG version of that film so it was cut but there was added scenes and stuff and it was just basically a way for them to make more money um, which they did and then they managed to make what, a couple million more than the previous film anyway talking carrying along the dead the sorry the Joker news apparently Joker 2 is already in development <laughs> it's done well this isn't surprising Warner Brothers want more Joaquin Phoenix has already said that um, he wants to play the role again. Why not make a se- why not make a sequel? There's obviously a lot going on with Arthur Fleck. 
Um, it's reportedly if they make this, they are making the sequel apparently, and apparently it's going to be taking place quite a number of years after the end of Joker. So we'll see a continuation of Arthur Fleck, but also he's kind of grown probably as a character. So he's probably grown into being more the Joker, if that makes sense. Uh, and then we were talking about Jared Leto before. There were reports that Jared Leto tried to stop Joker from being made. This is, I personally think this is the most interesting story of the week because Jared Leto is just a very interesting character, I find. Um, I kind of, <laughs> reading about the reports, reading the reports of what went on, apparently he was asking his manager, his music manager at the time, they no longer they no longer work together after this apparently um, to contact Warner Brothers executives and try and stop this film from being made. It it sounds like it would make a really fascinating episode of Entourage. All this that went on because he reportedly uh, split with I think he went through four, four teams of people at his um, at his agency that he's with. He's now changed agency since, and it's just it just sounds to me like it was difficult for everybody involved. I mean, I kind of understand where he's coming from because he was basically being replaced, or he felt he was being replaced, and now that Phoenix is getting so many plaudits for his turn in, in Joker, there's talks of Oscars now, yeah, of course he's going to feel a bit pissed off. You know, and uh, try and it was it, it's just a weird thing. Uh, the fact that Warner Brothers executives didn't want the film to be made in the first place, and now the film's making so much money and it's doing so well, both uh, at the box office and critically. With you know, with critics, a lot of critics love it. A lot of people hate it, but there are a lot of people out there that really love this film, myself included. But then after this, there was the news that a Joker and Harley Quinn movie is still happening in the DCEU, which is really confusing because I was under the impression that. His that Jared Leto's Joker was finished, that they they weren't going to do it again, they weren't going to bring him back, but now they're talking about bringing him back and bringing him back with Harley Quinn. I think a lot of this is based on whether or not Birds of Prey and the Suicide Squad do well because DC Comics and Warner Brothers are still very interested in having both their kind of Joker films, standalone films, their more light-hearted movies with the likes of Shazam. And Aquaman, but also they're darker tone films with Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey. Uh, I mean, personally, I'm not sure how dark Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey will be. I'm thinking that they probably won't be that dark, but that's the report. That's what's been being reported is that they still want their dark movies to exist. I mean, personally, I think they can just have Joker and build more standalone movies that with more interesting directors and more interesting actors involved. Who knows? And then there's a, there was a bit, not too much, but a bit of Marvel news this week. So, I mean, according, this is again, according to, we got this covered, the MCU, its future will be focused on diversity, female and LGBT characters, which is, it's really, that's, I mean, that's really good news. But also you can, you, you knew that just by looking at phase four, the phase four already, they're in phase four, they're doing the Black Widow film. Um, they're, they're going to expand. I mean, they're going to have a female Thor in Thor Love and Thunder. And then you've also got Captain Marvel 2, which is going to be there. So I'm not surprised about this. Uh, I mean, 
I already knew it was going to they were going to do something like that. There's also it's also rumored that James Gunn's Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 3 will introduce a new lineup which will reflect Marvel Studios' new policy on having better representation in their movies. So this is all great. This is great news. This is what it needs and it's needed we've been asking for this for so many years. Then the very first female-led Marvel superhero movie came out last year in Captain Marvel. Was it this year? I think it was 2000. Maybe it was this year actually. I think it was this year i can't remember but and it did really well uh, it did really well at the box office so yeah that's great news not so great news is that apparently <laughs> disney is looking to get rid of jeremy renner as hawkeye so this has come this news has come out since uh, there's been um, he's been going through a very difficult time of late i think because uh, he's going through a divorce and he's now uh, fighting a, a legal custody battle for his daughter and it's uh, there's it's since been been rumored that after the allegations made against him, which aren't very good by his ex-wife, that Disney and Marvel just want to let him go, and want to find somebody else to play Hawkeye moving forward. Uh, this isn't very good news for anybody because they've got the Hawkeye series that's coming out on Disney Plus. They, I mean, Hawkeye's also still a pretty prominent member of the Avengers moving forward in the MCU. But Marvel has replaced actors in the past, and it doesn't seem like it's been a problem for them in the past. You know, they got Edward Norton that they replaced as the Hulk. They brought in uh, Mark Ruffalo. They also changed uh, Rhodey's actor. It's now Don Cheadle. It was originally Terrence Howard. So, they, you know, they've done this stuff before. Um, whether or not they're going to do it now, because it's quite late in the game, who knows? Maybe they could just change his story arc, kind of have him involved in a couple of episodes in um, in Hawkeye and then bring in the new Hawkeye. Who knows what they're going to do? And there's other news. Uh, this There's more Marvel news. This is about the Punisher. So according to We Got This Covered, John Bernthal is going to be playing the Punisher in the MCU. So he, of course, played the Punisher in the Netflix Marvel TV shows, and he was great. I mean, one thing, you can say whatever you want about those shows, whether you like them or you, you don't. They were really well cast. Everybody in that was really well cast. And one of the best bits of casting was getting John Bernthal to play the Punisher. You literally, I cannot think of anybody better for that role than him. The fact that they have that, I mean, <laughs> suppose it's still, I think, canon <laughs> that these these did happen in the Marvel, in the kind of, they are attached to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some way. I mean, it kind of makes sense that they bring him back in a in a in a movie. If they want to use the Punisher, why not just use John Bernthal? It makes complete sense. There was also news. This is more stuff from we got this covered that um, Tom Holland's Spider Man is going to cameo in Venom Two. Um, this, I think, it looks like Sony Pictures really wants to expand on its Spider Man property. Um, they want to make their kind of Spider-Verse, cinematic Spider-Verse. So it makes sense that they'd want to bring Tom Holland into into the Venom-verse. Whether or not they do it in Venom 2, I personally think that's a... I mean, maybe a really brief, brief cameo. I mean, he kind of had one in the first film. He was mentioned that Spider-Man existed. Um, would it make sense now? Yeah, why not? But it had to, I think it's going to be, a re if it happens at all, it'll be really small. Talking of Venom, Tom Hardy's Venom apparently is going to <laughs> cameo in Sony's Morbius movie. That makes more sense uh, to me. Uh, I mean, having Tom Hardy in that film wouldn't be out of place at all. So this is the Morbius film in which Jared Leto is playing the lead. He's playing um, Morbius the Living Vampire. And it's, an, again, Sony trying to expand on their on the 
the characters that they have from the Spider-Man, the Spider-Man property that they bought all those years ago. They're really milking it now. I'm going to, that's, that's the end of the news. So I'm going to move away from the news and onto the features that we had on the site this week. We did, there were a lot of features, many of them based around Star Wars, of course, because, uh, you know, the trailer came out this week. So we did two ones on Star Wars. And um, the first one I wrote, and since writing it, I've kind of, I've thought maybe, I thought maybe I should have thought of a different character. I'll explain a bit more in a second. So it's, uh, it's called Is Matt Smith Playing Ezra Bridger in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? So if you're familiar with uh, Star Wars Rebels, the TV show, there's a character in that TV show called Ezra Bridger who he becomes a Jedi. He's Force-sensitive and become he's trained as a Jedi. The series has since ended, and Ezra Bridger is kind of on a spaceship with another character that I'll talk about in a bit, and we don't really know where he's he's gone to. Like We don't really know where he's gone. Uh, his story is very much open. But the thing is, is that that story is set closer to the original um, trilogy, which means Ezra Bridger would be a lot older now in these new, this new trilogy that's just out now. There's been a lot of speculation about Matt Smith. First of all, whether he's in the film or not. Secondly, who's he, who he's playing in the film. I just liked the idea of bringing Ezra Bridger back and because, I mean, I, I personally think Matt Smith, he must be in this film because he was on the cast list. He was then remo- removed and he said since that he's not, he's, not, he's not in this film, he said. But then again, that happens all the time in Hollywood. People are told that they, you know, they can't say whether they're in things or not. And the re- I mean... In my head, I'm thinking, why are they being so coy about it? And it's probably because he's playing quite a well-known character or a character that might make fans, you know, it, it will shock fans if they once they see it on screen. So I wrote this piece and I was thinking, oh, this, you know, it's quite a good idea. Halfway, yeah. And then it kind of dawned on me that actually there was another character that he was much better for, much better suited for, and that's Thrawn. So if you, I mean, he's another character from the from Star Wars Rebels, and uh, he's one that's kind of directly tied to Palpatine. And there were rumors that that Matt Smith would be playing somebody that's direct, that's pretty close to the Emperor. Thrawn, Grand Admiral Thrawn, was his. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty. Sh- yeah, he was his his best kind of his best lieutenant. He was the guy that he was his best tactician. Uh, he he was. He's incredible, really. If you if you read the the if you read the books and watch Star Wars Rebels, he thinks unlike anybody else in the Star Wars universe, and he would be such he's such a good villain because he's just he's so clever, and I really do think that Matt Smith would be somebody who could play that role really effectively. So yeah, I wrote this I wrote this feature and then thought actually, Thrawn would be better. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write uh, one about Thrawn I think next week and explain in more detail why I believe that he'd be so good for Thrawn. And then the other the other feature that I wrote was about, um, it was in defense of Star Wars The Last Jedi. So it's called Star Wars The Last Jedi will be seen as the best ever Star Wars movie. And this is in my head, like where there are a lot of people online, very vocal people online that hate this film. And they, they hate it for many reasons. And I do understand their reasoning behind hating this film because it it's so different to what from what, we've seen previously in the Star Wars saga. It's very different. Um, personally, I think that's a great thing, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a good film. It's also, I was, I was talking about this earlier, it's it's just a, 
as a piece of filmmaking, it's just it's unlike anything we've ever seen uh, from a Star Wars film. It's it, there are problems with it. I completely understand that. I think the whole um, the whole scene with Finn and uh, and and um, and Rose is just doesn't really need to be in the film but I understand why it's there it's because Ryan Johnson wanted to develop these characters further he wanted them to spend time alone and and develop as and as individuals and he wanted the audience to get a sense of that and you do you do get a sense of that but I really do feel that in 10 or 20 years time people will look back at this film and look at it as either the best or the second best after probably Empire Strikes Back. Because if, I mean, remember, when Empire, when the Empire Strikes Back first came out, people didn't like that film either. It was it was heavily criticised. And now it's widely considered the, the greatest Star Wars film ever. So I would just say, I mean, maybe watch it again in like five years' time. I think after, especially after The Rise of Skywalker, I do think that people will look back more fondly on The Last Jedi and will look at it as a piece of cinema more than as uh, a film that didn't it, it didn't answer people's questions the way they wanted them answered and I think a lot of that is down to the fact that The Force Awakens was more it was it was more of a fan service movie and it was it was again J.J. Abrams creating a lot of mystery boxes and not offering any solutions which is what he does all the time I'm, I'm a massive fan of Abrams but he does this in everything he's ever worked in anything he's in, in, involved in just watch lost it's just full it's just mystery box after mystery box after mystery box and none of them are really solved that <laughs> that well really by the end of it i mean they do kind of but not not really and i think ryan johnson was put in a really difficult position uh, with this film because he was given all these all these mysteries to solve in one movie and he just said you know what I just chuck it all out. I don't. I don't really care. Uh, I, I care more about Star Wars as a whole. I don't care about all. I you know. I don't care about the mysteries that Ryan Johnson set up. And actually, I also think that the way that he tackled them was really interesting and really brave. It's. I. I think that's that's the crux of my argument. I think this is a really brave movie, and I do think it succeeds in what I think Ryan Johnson succeeded in what he set out to do. Anyway. It's now time to go on to the final, the final bit of the this podcast, and that's reviews. It's a review section. So I got to see two films this week that I really, really want to talk about because I do think these two films will de- they will definitely be in my top. I think five films of the year uh, come you know December January time. So the first film is a film called Monos, which I think everybody has to see if you can. <laughs> it does count. It's, it's out now in the UK. Uh, I'm not sure when it's coming out in the US, but um, it's a film, it's directed by Alejandro Landes, and uh, it's got a, a very young cast. They're, they're, um, the Monos are a, a group of, uh, they're ch- kind of child soldiers, they're, they're teenagers, most most of them. And they've got a, a prisoner uh, that's called Doctora, she's a doctor, she's uh, American, and they're kind of, they've got to keep, kind of keep her safe, because... She's there. She's their captive, and uh, obviously we don't really know what's going on beyond this this group of uh, of young of young soldiers. But it, we just we just focus on what happens to them, and it's it's one of the it's not a horror film, but it's one of, one of the most horrific films I've watched because it just feels so real. And watching it, it's just you feel you really do feel like you're there with them, and it's it's a very intense 
film. And it's one that really has to, it has to be seen on the big screen. I, I just can't, I can't emphasize that enough. It really has to be seen on a big screen in a very dark room so that you feel as, it, you, you, you basically feel like you're with these people. It's a difficult watch. It's not an easy watch, but then again, that's what makes it so good. And, um, and that's why I gave it a 10 on the site. I just think it's a, I think it's a fabulous film. The second film that I got to see this week, this one's not coming out until November. I believe it's the 20, 29th of November in the UK. But this one is, <laughs> this is a real crowd pleaser. And talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi, and I mentioned it a bit before, it's Ryan Johnson's new film, and it's called Knives Out. And it's brilliant. It's so, so good. It's it's so much fun. It's a whodunit. You know, whodunit's brought back to the big screen. It's been a while. It, I'm a massive fan of, of, of Agatha Christie, and Ryan Johnson obviously is as well. And this film has, if you love whodunits, I think this is the perfect film to go and see. It's definitely the film for you. If you, if I mean, I don't really know that many people that don't like kind of mysteries. And uh, and this is a really, really good one. And it's got an incredible cast. It's got the likes of Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, who's in it. She's brilliant. Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Catherine Langford. It's so many. Christopher Plummer is in this. It's one of the best ensemble casts I've seen in a long, long time. And they're all brilliant in this film. They all have their own time. They have a their moments to shine in this film. And that's what's so kind of mind-boggling about it is it's got so many characters, but they, they're all actually really well-developed. Talking earlier about how Ryan Johnson is able to do, to do character development so effectively, it's what he does in this film. And, uh, and I tell you what, it's one of the best performances from Daniel Craig I've ever seen. And uh, he plays the, uh, the detective, Benoit Blanc. Um, he's just brilliant. He's, he's so, so good. So I um, you can have a look at the review on the site. I gave it a nine, and uh, I really do think both of these films will be in my top ten at the end of the year, possibly even my top five. So there it is. That was a, a lot to get through, and um, yeah, really, I merely scratched the surface of all the news that came out this week. But please go and check out uh, Small Screen, which is at uh, www.small-screen.co.uk. For even more pop culture news, features and reviews, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at SmallScreenGB. And thank you so much for listening uh, to this episode and I'll see you back here same time next week. Thank you. Goodbye.